The Holy Gospel according to John, the first chapter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, well, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. He said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you diehards to be seated. And as I said last week, I don't, at least historically or habitually, spend a lot of time in a pulpit. But I wanted to prove to you that one... It's possible for me to shoot a video in the pulpit without cutting the top of my head off, and that, in fact, the top of my head continues to exist even when I stand in a pulpit. So, here we are. This is proved. You may or may not see me in a pulpit next year, next week. Who knows? New place, new habits? New place, same habits? Time will tell. I, uh, I wanted to share with you a bit from today's psalm because I, I think it speaks well to the position in which we find ourselves right now. Um, I was having conversations with Valerie and some other people this week about the, uh, the people who we've lost during COVID to death, and not just from COVID, but just in general. And that we've had anywhere between, and I've heard the number anywhere between six and nine deaths in the congregation since COVID began. And uh, I, I think it's important for us occasionally to take some stock of what's going on. And so I, I want to offer to you a, a bit of Psalm 139 as a way of putting some of this into context. O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. You know, I, I hear this during this time, and I find myself taking great comfort in it. Part of it is because so much of the last year and a half has been so different. You know, and I've, I mentioned during a newsletter article recently and mentioned, you know, I've mentioned before that I'm kind of new here. And the, the thing about grief is that grief isn't simply our response to losing someone. Grief is our response to change. And I know I've said that before to you probably, but I... I say that in this context because it seems to me one of the things that's changed so much 
And one of the things that leaves our hearts hurting so much is that with all the things that have changed from physical distance to, you know, new pastors and people coming and going and members coming and going and losing people to, to different events and to death and, and for all the thousand things that have happened the past year during COVID, that feels like about five, you know, we, we've accumulated an awful lot of loss and we haven't been able to grieve any of it normally. And, and there comes a point when we realize what, that we're in a moment where we're recognizing our loss for the, and its significance and its magnitude in our lives. I remember when I moved here, you know, I, it took me a little while to realize, you know, what was going on with me. I remember at some point my wife saying to me something along the lines of, Eric, why are you being such a jerk? And I said, well, I don't know. And so I went and I thought about it and saw a counselor and got medicine. And as I was able to, uh, to get my head back together, I realized that what was going on with me is I was grieving. I was grieving the friends I'd left behind. I was grieving the, the portion of my career that I left behind. I was, I was grieving the ministries that I left behind, working with the synod and the youth and the young adults and working with congregations and working with call process and working with leaders and all the things that I was able to do over the past five years. I was, I was grieving colleagues. I was grieving family members. I was grieving the house that we had lived in that for 13 years that about the last five of those, I was so ready to move out. But I remember the day that I moved out of the house, you know, I, I started the day with a conversation with somebody who was, who was talking about what might be next and, and about some of the things that we might do together. And I called up here to the New England Synod and the Synod office said to me very responsibly, and I encourage boundaries and for boundaries training to happen, it just so happened to be a moment where I called and said, I'd like to put my name on the supply list. And they said, well, I'll need a couple copies of previous sermons and a copy of your boundary certificate. And I said, well, I, I wrote and, and taught the boundings, boundaries training for clergy in the South Carolina Senate. Does that count? Nope, I've got to see your certificate. And, and so I went from somebody seeking me out to talk about what we might do together ne next and and feeling like a respected colleague to wondering whether I was qualified to supply preach. And then that day I was making the last trip into the house that had been my home. And I had what we call in the South a come apart and I wept. All of that, you know, the change was positive. Lauren had gotten her PhD in biomedical engineering and you know, she'd found a job up here. That's good. It happened by, by a fortunate circumstance and lucky coincidence that my brother and his family live in the Medford area. And so we had some place where we could land for a couple of weeks and we stayed in their house for a couple of weeks. And it was wonderful to be able to have time with my brother and with his wife and with his kids and for my daughter and their kids to be able to interact. You know, it... It so happened that we were able to find a house just a street of, away from them to rent. 
Things were good. Lauren was in a place where she could have a career. I had been able to find a job, which I didn't know whether I was going to be able to find, and I was a bereavement coordinator for a hospice. And then when I did get up there, and they became con- got up here, and they became convinced that I was indeed qualified to supply preach, you know, it turned out that there was a congregation who needed a pastor to, to be with them because they needed someone who, to help them through their time of bereavement after the medical retirement of their pastor. And I was a bereavement coordinator, and it just turned out that I needed a con- congregation who was going to provide for me that kind of comfort and, and, and grief coordination that I needed. It was all happy. It was all good. And I was so sad. And, you know, when, when I'm sad about hard things, about people I love dying, about, you know, about the, the things that feel worth being, the things that feel worth grieving, you know, I, I can put that in a category that makes sense. But it's always seemed so strange to me that we grieve for happy things. And here's the thing about grief is that when we, when we find that things have changed around us, you know, one of the convenient and seductive lies of grief is that you're in this all by yourself and nobody will ever understand what you're going through. How can anyone understand my pain? How, how can anyone understand all the things that I've been experiencing? Nobody's feeling this but me. And, and it's seductive because there is something that is uh, attractive in this idea that we're all by ourselves and that this wallowing that we do sometimes, you know, it, it feels like because we're devoting so much energy to it that it's productive. And, and the loneliness sometimes make it all, makes it all the more delicious. But then we have those moments where we recognize that we're not alone. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. I saw you under the fig tree. When did you see me under the fig tree? Even before we met, I saw you. As much as there is something delicious about sometimes wallowing in our loneliness, there is something heart-stoppingly, stunningly beautiful about somebody who knows us, somebody who gets us, somebody who hears our voice and understands what we mean. Somebody who's going to laugh at our jokes from time to time, even when they're not funny. And I thank you, Lauren. Someone who understands us better than we even understand ourselves. And, and we realize when we're wallowing, the thin pleasure that comes, and, and just how false that is, when we have the chance to experience the dispelling of that sorrow for the joy of someone who knows us and loves us and cares for us. Even in those times when we haven't been able to grieve anything normally, 
one thing remains constant. Wherever God shows up, God has known us already. And the love and the acceptance and the presence and the calling of God have preceded our arrival. And when we are called out from under the tree where we have been pondering the meaning of life, and we hear those words that the one who has created us is looking for us. And I, I hear, um, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, you know, I, I hear in that, and in a lot of ways, kind of, can anything good come out of any of this? Where is there anything good? Especially during this moment in time where everything seems to be haywire. And, and we're just kind of having this moment of unrestrained cultural, political, agonizing grief. Can anything good come out of this? And we have the joy of a friend who knows us well enough to say, come and see. So I say this week, when, when we find ourselves grieving, whether it's because of COVID or it's because we've lost people that we will not see again after COVID or because our lives are changing and we might be at a time in life where we recognize that there is no normal to go back to following COVID or maybe things are just hard right now. There is one who sees us where we sit and invites us into God's presence. And when we wonder, can anything come good come out of this? The heart of God speaks to our heart and says with love and welcome, come and see. Amen. Amen.